Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It is July 30th, 2018. Joined by Andrew Egger from Missouri. Is that correct? Uh, you're in Missouri? Yes, uh, far-flung St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, and Haley Bird from Washington, D.C. I'm in Aspen, so we are doing this podcast over three time zones, which I think is an accomplishment. Okay, I did wake up this morning thinking life and this podcast literally too short to deal with the Bigfoot porn story. So we're actually going to exercise. I will exercise some some unwanted restraint and not talk about that. But uh, Haley, I want to talk about what's going on with the uh, with the Coke network. Uh, that seems to be one of the more interesting stories. The Coke group uh, hitting at the divisiveness and lack of leadership in Wisconsin. Uh, they had their big event over the weekend. And the report suggests that they're putting a little more distance between themselves and the Trump administration, specifically talking about the tariff, immigration policies, and and the divisive rhetoric out of Washington. So give me your sense of what's going on with, uh, I would say, the Koch brothers, but one of them is retired, the, the Koch network. Yeah, so the, the Koch ne- network has these uh, biannual meetings with their donors uh, at these seminars that they have, and they had one in Colorado Springs uh, this past weekend. Um, and they've been they've been messaging this uh, sort of split away from partisan politics uh, for the past year or so. Um, and And it's interesting because they have these different policy splits with the administration. And as you've seen members of Congress become more and more partisan and supporting things that they otherwise wouldn't have, you've seen others like the Koch brothers saying, you know, actually, we do support free trade. Actually, we do want dreamers to stay here. So they've they've spent a lot of money on ad campaigns in the past few months about those specific issues, but they've also supported some Democrats. Uh, so like moderate Democrats who support some of their ideals on taxes and uh, regulatory reform, things like that. So they've they've tried to become more of this ideological group than a partisan donor base. Now, what's interesting about this is that they have not gone the way of some of the other big Bigfoot donors. I said worked in Bigfoot anyway, like, like, <laughs> the, the, well, like like the Mercers and you know, the the U lines and and folks like that who who really have uh, have have gone full MAGA. Uh, they they really do actually seem to care about the ideas as opposed to simply the cult of personality or or or, or, or getting a win to own to own the libs. In fact, about a month ago, I was I was here in Aspen, and then we were at a breakfast where it was sponsored by uh, Coke Industries on the issue of uh, of uh, of prison reform, uh, reforming the legal system. And what really struck me as I was sitting listening to the discussion is that nobody would have thought that this was a right-wing conservative Republican organization. They are doing things that are, I would say, ideologically um, uh, idiosyncratic, at least, at least in the current blue-red binary continuum that we have right now. Right. Well, and and- – it's almost comical uh, to, to to look at these things happening, Charlie, just because I mean, it's exactly like you say. I mean, the Cokes are interested in the same sorts of like broadly conservative things they've always been interested in. But those those have always been sort of like the pro-business policies, you know, anti-regulation, low taxes and things like that. And it's just been kind of fun to watch. Um, you know, if, if, if you care about like watching, you know, media bias, thing, things like that, just sort of watching people's heads spin as they try to uh, square the circle of, of, of what, what is essentially last decade's big sort of bugbear of the right, the Koch exactly. brothers, you know, the right. Koch-topus, um, really the, these, these, these very, very evil, evil folks um, on, on the right. <laughs> 
and then the you know the new hotness of of evil on the right, which is Donald Trump, um, and and to watch the, them try to square the circle of those two interests, you know, being opposed to one another has has been kind of funny, if nothing else. And, yeah, and to, one trend to update their their, enemy, their enemies list. One trend that I noticed also just going to their conference uh, in January is that they're focusing on a lot of local based issues and it's not really national politics. Like you mentioned prison reform. They have a lot of education initiatives for for the economy and um, economics and things like that. So it's it's interesting to see how they've sort of pivoted away from um, national political support for Republicans and towards these initiatives that, that are more uh across the spectrum for people in in local um, situations in local governments. But another thing is that they are just putting so much money into these advertisements and ad campaigns. Uh, For instance, one against the president's tariffs and another for dreamers. Um, I do think it's worth asking if they could get more done if they withheld donations from Republicans instead of just Hmm. putting more money into these advertising campaigns. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, because, of course, uh, you know, they they are reiterating their plan to spend as much as four hundred million dollars on on the uh, 2018 election cycle. But that's divided between, as you point out, policy issues and the political campaigns. Uh, so I guess the question, Haley, is so what 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 is the practical impact? what what are, what are they actually doing? Um, I mean, is this going to be a split on the right? Is this a beginning of of uh, shall we, you know what, I mean, let me back up a little bit. You know, one of the things we've seen is is you know conservative donors have fallen the line behind Trump and his his uh, his you know his his policy initiatives. The Koch brothers, you know, are clearly major players. Is this a signal that that in fact they they are going a, a, a separate way, and and will it actually have practical impact on the midterm elections? That's a good question. I'm I'm not sure it will have a practical impact in terms of being measurable, um, just because they're still reporting. I mean, supporting Republicans who otherwise support the president and Congress. Um, so, you know, they, they support these Republicans on basis of like economic policies and, and other things that the uh, Koch network agrees with. Um, but they don't limit themselves to things like they don't cross people off the list if they're complete Trump apologists. So it's it's a question of how effective they're trying to be. And it, it seems at this point like it's a media messaging campaign uh, to sort of help their brand at this point. Um it, if they do show like real implications for how much support they're going to give to Republicans in future elections based on these things, um, I think that would have greater impact. And, and it also just sort of illustrates the difference between, you know, what the goal of a group like Coke Industries is from, you know, for, for just for example, what what a more like explicitly politically ideological group like, you know, the, the editors of the Weekly Standard, what their kind of goals are, you know, because like the it, it isn't necessarily, you know, the the Cokes will, as, as we saw recently, you know, speak out against, um, you know, divisiveness in politics in the Trump administration if, you know, it, it, you know, here and there, but their 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 larger goals are all you know explicitly policy related, right? Like they're just they're trying to foster these you know these specific types of you know business climate, and you know they, they're they're trying to achieve different policy things here and there. So it's I think it's a lower order concern uh, to to them and people like them, uh, things like the the Trump administration's destabilizing activities and things like that, than it might be to you know. Uh, Ideological, you know, conservative magazines and and and, right. and you know, leading thinkers like 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 people at the Weekly Standard. So you know, we're ninety nine days out from the election, and over the weekend, the president uh, tweeted that he would be okay with shutting down the federal <laughs> government um, if he doesn't get funding for the wall and immigration reform. At least 
my initial read, and you correct me if I'm wrong about this, Haley, is that most members of Congress are saying, yeah, we, we're not going to be shutting down the government. So the question would be, why is the president even throwing that out right now? He does this every time they have a spending bill. Yeah. They have they threatened to shut down the government over the wall every single time. Yeah. Um, and this one is particularly frustrating for people in Congress because they've actually put some effort into drafting these um, spending bills over the past few months uh, after Trump said, you know, I'm never going to sign a bill like this again uh, when he signed that massive omnibus bill. Um, So it's also questionable. Trump was just using children separated from their families to try to uh, bargain with Congress to get them to pass comprehensive immigration reform. And now he's sort of indicating, you know, I'm going to use the spending bill to do the same thing. Um, which spend like immigration reform is not something that members of Congress want to do a month out from a midterm election by any means. Yeah, and they certainly do not want to shut down the federal government a month out from the election when you control all of the government. Uh, also, over the weekend, there was a lot of uh, tweeting about uh, Bob Mueller, the, uh, the the Russia investigation, the Manafort trial begins this week. So give me an update where we are at, Andrew, um, on, on that and when, why the president would have gone off this weekend and then yeah. whether or not we heard anything new from him this weekend yeah well um we we, we haven't heard much new uh from moeller in recent days he's still you know spinning along behind the scenes uh like he's been doing for for more than a year now um what we have gotten a lot of new news about in the past few days that has that has really gotten trump's goat has been uh news related to his lawyer i guess his former lawyer michael cohen who now has been uh demonstrating all the characteristics of a person who has flipped he's releasing all oh, these yeah. recordings um that 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 he made of you know the president and other clients of his so in in the past um you know just voice recordings it's it's all it's been kind of an embarrassing sort of sideshow uh that that a sideshow that's been embarrassing for the president and so obviously the president has you know been combative about this, you know, tweeting about like how how Michael Cohen's a terrible lawyer and why would he take these tapes and things like that. But but you know what we constantly see from Donald Trump is that he is he's always sort of collapsing these things together, right? You know he he he's never really holding like the if he thinks he's under attack from Mueller and he thinks he's under attack from Cohen, um, you know he, he's he's constantly collapsing those things down into just like one. Um, uh, homogenous witch hunt against him. So I think that uh, is, is a big part of the reason why, even though we haven't seen much uh, new from Mueller in recent days, uh, we've we've seen a, a big spike of combative rhetoric from Trump on that. So I, I want to just read a couple of these tweets real quick sure. from, from yesterday. Um, he, you know, it was apparently not pegged to any specific news story. I, I wasn't watching Fox News yesterday morning, so I don't really know what was going on. But but he says, there is no collusion. The Robert Mueller rigged witch hunt, headed now by 17, increased from 13, including an Obama White House lawyer, angry Democrats, was started by a fraudulent dossier, paid for by Crooked Hillary and the DNC. Therefore, the witch hunt is an illegal scam. And then, is Robert Mueller ever going to release his illegal. conflicts? Yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. He appointed the special counsel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, no, but no, the but, word but, illegal and, and, was... And it gets, it gets better, it gets better, because <laughs> here, here's the next thing. Is Robert Mueller ever going to release his conflicts of interest with respect to President Trump, <laughs> including the fact that we had a very nasty and contentious business relationship? I turned him down to head the FBI one day before appointment as special counsel, and Comey is his close friend. And then, last one, uh, also, why is Mueller only appointing angry Dems, some of whom have worked for Crooked Hillary, others, including himself, have worked for Obama. 
Obama? And why isn't Mueller looking at all the criminal side activity and real Russian collusion on the Democrat side? Podesta dossier, dossier. Um, so obviously, you know, that's that, that that's just sort of a, a, a big old blast of like classic. This, this Trump feels id. Yeah. But this right? feels like an escalation. It feels like an escalation. The fact that he's throwing out the word illegal, he's going after Bob Mueller in very personal terms, coming going right at him. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's almost like he's, you know, he's, he's obviously reacting to things that have happened in the last week, but, but almost gearing himself up for something. Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely right. And, and, and some of these uh, attacks, you know, we we sort of start to gloss over the sort of like personal attacks the president throws around. And a lot of times we're justified in doing so because he, it's, it's sort of like breathing to him. Um, but, but, but this is new, right? I mean, so, some of these things are not things he's accused Mueller of before. It's, it's sort of like he's, he, he's, he's a, it's a revisionist historical take on the appointment of the special counsel. And it's, 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 re, I think this is one of the very first times that Trump has actually, uh, insisted that Mueller himself yes, is right. compromised in his mm -hmm. motives and methods. You know, he's talked a lot about how Mueller uh, has surrounded himself with these 13 angry Democrats. He's, you know, he's always talking, and a lot of times he's talked about the 13 angry Democrats as though they and not Mueller are running the probe. But now this, I mean, the, the, we, we've never heard this, I turned him down to, and correct me right. if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've ever heard this, I turned him down to head the FBI thing, which I mean, it's not, it's clearly nonsense. You know, if that, if that, if that had been the case, we would have heard about it the day Mueller was appointed. Would have, Trump, Trump, and Trump world would have gone crazy about that, or the nasty and contentious business relationship. You know, I mean, it's the, the, these are these are insane things to say. But there's been enough distance between the between now and the appointment of the special counsel uh, that you know it, it takes a little bit of energy and effort to go back and like actually remind ourselves that that these are crazy things to say and that's those are the sort of gray penumbral margins where trump uh, does his best work where 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 people you know can just kind of look back and they'll be like oh i get you know i mm -hmm. maybe that is the way that it was you know maybe maybe it is you know like we we, we for, for for trump world people you know we we've spent the last six months getting a big big media diet of of really nothing but oh this, this robert Mueller guy he's really kind of a skeezy figure um and you know and, and and it's all it's all been very carefully framed for a long time so it's it's never really saying that it's Mueller who's the problem it's saying all these auxiliary figures around Mueller but now the pump is primed for trump to just come right out and say robert Mueller's conflicted robert Mueller's out out to get me he's been out to get me from the beginning uh he's he's a good friend of comey you know, all, all, this whole thing's a sham. This whole thing's yeah, a crock. Yeah, and, and he's throwing he, right. I mean, he he basically, you can imagine, you you lay all that out. If he really believes it's illegal, if he really believes all these conflicts, then then the logical next step would be to get rid of the special counsel, which seems you know almost unthinkable at this point. Yeah. Uh, the other the other thing that we've been seeing in the last week that um, seemed to be escalating is the moving of the goalposts a little bit. Mm -hmm. The number of folks who are willing to say, okay, there was, you know, who had, you know, five minutes ago were saying there was no collusion at all. This is a total hoax now saying, well, if there was collusion, um, it's not eagle. It, it, it's not, it's not illegal. It's not impeachable. And even some people beginning to suggest, yeah, it's no big deal. Everybody does this sort of thing. I mean, who wouldn't take uh, dirt on your opponent from a foreign power? So are we also starting to see the moving of the goalposts? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, Giuliani I, I think, uh, this right? morning said that. He said, you know. Who said that? Giuliani. Yeah. He said collusion is not a crime. And at some point I see this being, you know, I'm grateful to Russia that they helped yes. us on this. We are five right. minutes away from that. 
And because the right? point the point is never, you know, the point is never for them to advance any kind of defense that would hold up, you know, at at, at sort of like the last uh, gravest stage, you know, like if if Mueller came out with an indictment um, and it and it went through, or not an indictment, but you know, came out charging uh, criminal activity and there was you know impeachment proceedings and it went to the Supreme Court, you know, th- that's not the eventuality that they're planning for, right? The eventuality that they're planning for is just to to consistently muddy the waters, to consistently make make things less clear and it make it harder for people to remember, you know, who the players are, what the stakes are, what the different bad act- actions are. I each side just just to level it all down to essentially one big mush of bad behavior mm-hmm. and suspicion and you know and, and and lack of trust for for anybody except perhaps you know president trump himself and and uh and and, and just to win in the public eye just through that kind of scorched earth uh pr campaign to the degree where if their backs were against the wall, they would be able to take some kind of drastic action. And we've already mm-hmm. seen that that happening in, in just the past couple of weeks. You know, the, the one new piece of Mueller of Mueller related news, even though his his name is not in it, was the the Freedom Caucus effort last week uh, to bring up articles of impeachment against Rod yeah. Rosenstein. Right. And the White House, you know, they they critically would not say whether or not they supported that effort, which is just remarkable because if they if 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 President Trump thinks that Rod Rosenstein should be impeached, he could just fire him. You know that there, there's a lot of legal questions about whether or not uh, Trump has the uh, explicit ability to fire Mueller. Most most uh, respectable legal scholars seem to think he does not have the direct mm-hmm. ability to fire Mueller, uh, but he absolutely has it within his power to fire the guy who could fire Mueller, which is Rosenstein. And and it's just remarkable to see that to see them sort of teetering on the edge of that, of, of, of there being this effort from some of the president's closest allies uh, to impeach Rosenstein on, on, you know, just the most ludicrous reasons, and, and for the White House not to comment whether or not they support that effort. I mean, you, you'd think that strategically they'd want to go one one way or the other, but but they, they literally would not touch it. Now, this may be naive because I know that we live in the era where nothing matters, but I'm trying to imagine what the effect would be on the midterm elections if the, if the president would take some of these actions between now and uh, in November, because we keep playing this game like, you know, could it get any more divisive? Could it get any more extreme? Could it become any more toxic? Okay, I, I have to cut this a little bit short because I have to go to a meeting, but I, I'm obsessed about the two things, and I want, want you to think about both of these things. The Have, have you, have either one of you or, or both of you watched the Sasha Baron Cohen videos that have been released? A few of them. I don't know about, I don't know if I've seen the whole... Uh, Okay, I, I'm not going to comment on his ethics because he clearly went through very, very elaborate efforts to uh, to deceive the people. But on the other hand, you know, the, the, there, there must be a larger point here about the willingness of people to do anything to be on television or just the, the, the sort of mindlessness of our politics that people would go on camera and say the kinds of things that they did. I mean, you know, it, whatever you say about, uh, you know, Cohen's, again, you know, how he deceived these people, they ultimately, many of them, they just looked at the camera and they said and did the most bizarre things. And it's just, it is one of those moments where you go, okay, there's something about the psychology here that he's exposing that I need to think about some more. The second thing is if you want to have faith in the future, um, the Atlantic, uh, is it Connor Friedersdorf? Uh, am I pronouncing his name correctly? It did a piece about Hillsdale College and about the uh, way the administration has uh, has basically gone full Trump. But he also then solicited uh, emails from students at Hillsdale and alumni of uh, of Hillsdale about what they're thinking about it. 
And the the responses he got are so thoughtful and so eloquent um, and so substantive that it's one of those moments, if you want to have faith in the next generation of principled conservatives, you ought to go to the Atlantic and just and just see these these responses. They are both outstanding. Uh, Haley and Andrew, thank you so much for joining me on a Monday morning. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow and we will do this all over again. <laughs>